Hi all, welcome to the On Growth Podcast. I'm Josh Ledgard, one of the founders at Kickoff Labs. We make it quick and easy to set up viral giveaway campaigns. On today's show, I talked to Jessica Principe. She not only ran a great Kickoff Labs pre-launch campaign for her successful subscription box service, she also coaches others with a pre-launch prep school from which we've seen her students running successful campaigns on Kickoff Labs. I wanted to talk to her about this formula for success and how she guides her students through their own launch campaigns. You'll learn a lot from this and for following her template and advice. I know I did. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining me today on the On Growth Podcast. Today, my guest is Jessica Principe. Uh, she is both the founder of the All Girls Shave Club subscription box and also a subscription box mentor and also has a class uh, that you can take online at jessicaprincipe.com slash prelaunch, and we'll link up the in the uh, the show notes, um, the, the link to her class uh, for the prelaunch prep school. And so I found uh, Jessica once, uh, the first time around, I, I was, uh, <laughs> the first time I found Jessica, she was running the All Girl Shave Club prelaunch on Kickoff Labs, and they had a successful campaign. And I love talking to people who run successful campaigns as part of the podcast, everybody knows. And yes, you know, so the schedules didn't line up. We weren't able to find a time to ch- chat. Um, and then I noticed that her uh, Kickoff Labs referral link was referring us a bunch of Kickoff Labs customers. And I wondered why. And so I dug into it and I found she had launched a class, which is amazing, on doing pre-launches. And I reached out to her and I was like, okay, this time we have to find a time that works so that we can talk about this and your approach to doing, uh, to pre-launching products online. Uh, because I saw people taking your class, also having successful pre-launches. And so it's great to go to the source and see like, how is that going? So that was a long introduction. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be fun to chat with you today. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, So before the All Girls Shave Club uh, started, so what's your background? You come from like a marketing background, a creative background. Like how did you, how, how did you get to the All Girls Shave Club point of your life? So I actually do have my business degree in marketing and small business management, um, but I actually was working for 14 years for a company that my mom started, um, which is a vocational school training nursing assistants. So I was completely not in the online space at all. It couldn't be further from the opposite, actually. Um, we were training people how to become nursing assistants, and I was working as the um, director of operations there. And so I really just started to get an itch for doing something on my own. I had just had my second child and I really wanted something a little bit more flexible, something I could do from home and also like a creative outlet that I could kind of explore. And so the idea for All Girl Shave Club was born in a, in May of 2016. I was thinking about shaving and how much of a chore it is. And then I, I started to think about how I could make that experience better for myself. And um, along that process, I thought, you know, I can't be the only woman who feels this way about shaving. Maybe this is something I could build a business around and try, you know, try my hand at. And so that's exactly what I did. I I started the business in 2016 um, and took it full time, left my full time job about a year in. And um, now I also um, mentor and coach other subscription or aspiring subscription box owners and how to get started as well. That's a, that's an amazing story. So what, uh, I'm curious, cause I, I, I had the same discussion myself when I, we started kickoff Labs. 
what led you to say now is the time to go full time into this as, as my job? Like, what was that decision point for you? What happened? That was always the end goal for me, right? Like I didn't want a side hustle forever. I really wanted something that was going to be able to replace my income and, you know, still allow me to kind of have that flexibility. And I was really nervous about doing that, as I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs are, you know, you just don't know, have I built something strong enough to sustain me? And is it going to continue this way? What's going to happen? But I honestly, two things. One is I had um, incredible support from my husband. He believed in me maybe more than I believed in myself, which really helped propel that decision. And then the second thing was I had to have unexpected surgery. And so I was home for eight weeks on surgery, on recovery, basically. Mm -hmm. And I realized, you know what, if I can manage this, this time without working, I think this is the time when I'm just not going to go back. And so I uh, gave my notice and I just took that risk. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's, that's great. And, uh, and I assume you're still happy you did it. I am so happy I did it. It is the best decision I ever made. No regrets. Uh, That's, that's amazing. I love hearing it. Okay, so what I wanted to do, and we talked about this beforehand, was I kind of wanted to walk through, I think your class outline that you have on the class website is a great kind of outline for walking through the concepts of doing a pre-launch specifically for like, especially for like a physical product or subscription box um, service in the context of the All Girl Shaves Club that you've done as as using that as the example. Um, And so... um, the first thing that you know we tell people when they're man- setting up a contest is always uh, is always planning, and that's also coincidentally enough, I think the first module on your uh, on your class. So planning the pre-launch. So tell me what went into your thoughts on planning the All Girls Shave Club launch. Yeah. So in the beginning, obviously, I had no experience in launching a product, and so for me, it was really important that I knew that I was going to have an audience to be able to sell to. Because when you're launching a physical product versus maybe a membership product or a digital product, you have to invest some of your own money and some of your own resources into buying that first set of inventory. And so I knew that I was going to be investing some of my own personal funds and I wanted to make sure that I kind of mitigated that risk as much as I could by ensuring that I had built an audience of of customers, potential customers before I even pulled the the plug in launching the business. So planning it out, I kind of had to do some research. Again, there wasn't a lot of um, information or trainings or anything like that at that time, this is late 2016, around starting a subscription box business. But there was a Facebook group that I was part of. And in that Facebook group, there was um, a mentor in there that really just kind of like, helped me along, kind of coached me in understanding how a pre-launch really worked. Um, And he explained to me that I can expect between five to 10% of my my email list to convert to buyers at launch. And so I knew by doing the math backwards, if I wanted to launch with, you know, 100 subscribers, I needed to get anywhere between, you know, a thousand or so uh, email subscribers on my list. And so that was kind of the benchmark and that was the goal. And that's what I teach in pre-launch prep school as well, is to kind of work the math backwards to figure out where you want to land. Um, if you're going to buy boxes, you want to make sure that you're not overbuying and getting your cash flow all um, stuck in inventory. You want to make sure that you are buying the amount of boxes that you can then sell out when you launch. So to work the math backwards to figure out what is that sweet spot? How many people in my audience do I need to have? Yeah, and, and and that's like that's a great point. We see so many people who ask, you know, how do I get the most successful launch possible? And I, and I tell them, I think you're asking the wrong question. 
like the question is like, what do you need out of the, the email list? Like how many do you need? Do you need a hundred thousand on an email list to be successful or do you need 10,000? And they're like, oh, how do we figure that out? And it's, you start telling them like, okay, like work backwards. You know, if, if you think you're gonna convert this many people, like this is how many emails you need to collect um, before you start it. And uh, this, it's a similar thing if you're doing a Kickstarter launch or subscription launch, like it all works similarly like, to think about the math backwards. Um, so great, so you were, figuring out your cost, you were figuring out how many boxes you wanted to have. Um, how did you set that target for saying you wanted to have a hundred boxes or whatever the number was for subscribers? Like, was that like a revenue target? Was it required amount to like lower the cost of the goods you were putting into the box? Like, how did you come up with that number? Yeah, for me, I believe that between, especially in the subscription box space, between 50 and 100 subscriber, subscribers is a really great benchmark goal for launch because usually that will cover a lot of your early stage operating expenses as long as you know you've priced it properly and you know we we talk a little bit about pricing and that kind of thing in the course um but you want to really aim to have a you know 50 to 100 because that will cover those early expenses like your po box and um you know your accounting software and all the things that you're going to need to run your business out of the gate and so that's kind of where i was thinking as well it's like well you know 100 subscribers would make the best sense as far as like the math and the profitability goes. And so that was my goal. And um, when I when I did launch my subscription, I actually did um, convert more than than my goal. And I was able to, to launch with more than 100. So did you do better than the five to 10% estimate? I did, I did about 13%. <laughs> about 13%, that's that's great, yeah. No, we the five to 10 is a pretty common answer that we hear from people as well online of, you know, because we don't see the sales numbers afterwards in most cases. So when I ask people, it, um, that's a number that does stand out a lot, the five to 10%. Anything above that is kind of gravy uh, for most people. I would agree with that. And I try to explain that to my students too. Like we're, we're estimating conservatively, five to 10%, I think is pretty conservative, but it's always a wonderful surprise to, to see higher conversions. And if that does happen and you haven't got enough product, it's awesome to be able to say we sold out. Like that just builds in, um, you know, more exclusivity and it makes it more exciting for the next month when you open again. Like we sold out last time, get in and get it now. So, now that you have a concept of, of numbers and your goal, and these are really goals in mind that you're telling people, you're saying, hey, set up your goals, like run your numbers, how much it costs, how many you need, what your expenses are, is kind of a little bit of that to set the goals for the pre-launch of how many emails you want to get. Now, um, you, you, the next step is to create your pre-launch assets is how you, is how you say it. So things like you know, the branding, uh, the landing page, that kind of thing. So how did you think about that for All Girls Shave Club? Yeah, so I'm really thinking about keeping consistency. Um, you don't have to launch your subscription or your, or your product with like your end all branding, right? Like you don't necessarily need to invest in a designer right off the bat. The whole goal for pre-launch, in my opinion, is to validate your idea and to make sure that your idea actually has legs. So we want design to look good. We want it to look cohesive and like it's a trustworthy site or a trustworthy brand, but we don't have to bend, our, bend over backwards to, you know, spend thousands of dollars to have the end end goal branding in place. We just want to kind of launch with like our minimum viable branding, if that makes yep. sense. Um, and so um, it's really about creating like a color palette of things, of colors that really work well together or um, typography that works well, not having a whole bunch of different fonts and a whole bunch of different flashing colors. You can do this really easily right on Pinterest. That's actually my favorite place to go is just make a mood board there 
I just start pinning a bunch of things that resonate with the vibe and the feeling and the um, the audience that I'm trying to reach. If it's a, a feminine audience or women that, that are between, you know, 20 to 30 year olds, I would think about like, what is that vibe? What is that feeling? And I'll create a mood board there and kind of pull out colors and fonts that I think pair well nicely together. And so that's kind of what I think about when I think about branding um, and just mm-hmm. making sure that it feels cohesive and also knowing who your audience is and how what will resonate with them. Yeah, and at, at this stage too, you're talking about putting together like potentially a logo and the fonts and the colors and then the landing page. And you hit right on one of the big pieces of advice we give people all the time too, which is especially in this stage, like go simpler if you can. So like, don't go crazy with like 13 different fonts on a page. Like if you're not a designer, you probably don't know how to pair them and match them. And so like pick one or two fonts and stick with them for like a headline and a subheadline. pick two or three primary colors that represent your brand. Don't think about like, oh, there's secondary colors and all the like tertiary, like tertiary colors for your brand or like, uh, you don't need all of that at this point. You don't need, you know, the the as much of like the flushed out like vision of the company as much as it is like you said. It's it's getting proof of concept. And the other thing that I wanted to add to that is like I think you're not just what I tell people is you're not just proving that like the idea is good because a lot of ideas are, are potentially good. You're proving like do you have the ability to get people to sign up for something. That's right. Oh, I love that you just mentioned that because this is something that comes up a lot with my customers too, my students as well, or even just in general in Facebook groups is it's so much easier to actually get somebody to leave their email address with you than it is to have them make a purchase with you. So if it's really hard for you to get those emails collected, then it's going to be even harder to make those sales. So we really want to hone in on those those things that will trigger that email opt-in or that email collection now and, and refine it like our copy and our and our images and those kinds of things and really narrow in on that so that we can make sure that we are going to be more successful at launch. Exactly. I always feel bad. I have a bad feeling when we do have the customer who will come to us and say, well, our pre-launch didn't go that great. We we only, we weren't, our customers weren't interested in giving their email. We think they'll be interested in purchasing the product. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that's going to work out so well. (laughs) Like it's so much easier to get an email than to get them to put a credit card in uh, for something. So. Uh, the next the next phase, now that you've got some of these brand assets put together, a color palette, a logo, like probably some copy that you've thought about, like your pitch to customers that you're going through. Um, you talk about setting up your tech. And so this is where, you know, creating a landing page, email service provider. Um, how did you discover Kickoff Labs um, for putting together the landing page? Yeah, so I did a lot of research. There was a lot of different landing page software options available at the time. And I just kind of like went through and started to do some high level research. But what was really appealing to me about Kickoff Labs is that built in social share feature. None Mm -hmm. of the other ones at the time had that available. And I was just thinking about how like as a consumer, if I were presented with a Facebook ad for a new product or a giveaway, um, I might click through, I don't know, I might, I might not. But if I saw a friend sharing a new product or sharing about a giveaway that they participated in, I would be much more likely to do that. And so I thought that was just really brilliant and being able to kind of leverage the leads that I was already gathering to kind of be like my own little mini marketing army and to help kind of spread the word and um, build an audience that way. Do you remember uh, any of the numbers from the campaign in terms of how many, uh, what percentage of people like you got from sharing as part of the campaign? I wish that I had more 
um, memory of that. I don't remember what my viral number <laughs> was. I'm so sorry. I wish that I did, but I don't. I do remember it being pretty substantial because what I did is I leveraged my own visibility. Like I didn't have an audience. I wasn't like a blogger or influencer or anything like mm-hmm. that. I didn't have an audience, but I did have my ideal customer in my life, right? Like I was, I was part of a mom's group on Facebook. And so I was sharing with them what I was doing and women and moms were my target audience. And so once they saw my landing page and they started opting in, then of course they started spreading and sharing the word with Mm -hmm. their friends and family. So it really was just like that kind of viral, organic, not viral, but you know, organic growth that way. Yep, exactly. Um, I like to caution people when they they think a a system like the social sharing gives people viral growth. And there's kind of a concept or misconception that like, oh, I just have to tell one person and that one person tells two and then two tells four and then four tells eight and it like explodes that way. And I have to remind people like, oh, actually almost none of the success stories you've read about, like the Harry's launch, the Robin launch, none of them actually worked that way in reality. What they did is they would get to certain milestones and then that would get them a bigger level of press coverage, which would then amplify the message. And the virality and the sharing always, I tell people it's it's more of a boost. So if you were going to spend $100 worth of effort the social sharing aspect of creating the landing page that you get with Pickoff Labs gives you, you know, a 30 to 50% boost on that $100 to make it feel like you spent $150 in marketing. That there's there's nothing that'll make you go from $1 spent to $150 spent <laughs> feeling, but there's things that'll there's things you can do to go from make it take your $100 and make it efficiently feel like $150 spent into marketing effort. Um, what um, what incentives were you giving people, if any, at this stage to to share uh, to share the page uh, with a you know you talk about a referral and reward system? What incentives did you choose uh, for your for your service? Yeah, we had different levels, so different tiers of after certain um, milestones, if you will. Um, for the first one was just just for entering, you're going to be the first to know. So we kind of built up that like exclusivity and um, you'll be entered to win a six month subscription. So that was kind of the first one. And then the second one I marked um, pretty low. Like I only, I only asked for or required about five referrals. I think it was maybe six referrals. Um, And they were able to get the next one, which was a discount at launch. So an exclusive discount at launch. And then from there we did a free product. And then from there we did a cash prize. Um, And each level was incrementally higher, but we wanted to make those first few kind of attainable. Like it felt like they were able to kind of reach it and and they would try to get there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then those higher levels we reserved for people that actually had influence. You know, if I did stumble upon an influencer or whatever and somebody who would want to share it with a a larger audience, they would be more incentivized to do that because they see that cash prize there. Absolutely. Do you remember how long before your launch you had this page up? That's a common question we get is, is how early should I be putting up uh, and doing this pre-marketing and validation? Yeah. So I started my landing page in October of 2016 and I launched at the very end of December. So I ran mine maybe a little bit longer than most people do, but I think anywhere from 30 to 90 days is a good time frame. That's what I teach in pre-launch pod school. Yeah, you're actually you're actually right in the sweet spot there um, for what we see for for successful launches because I feel like people break up the launches and we'll probably get into this into marketing like into into I tell people to think about breaking up the launches into thirds like 
the first, you know, if you're doing it for, you know, six weeks, the first two weeks are like, you're learning, like you're changing the copy, you're seeing what works, you're maybe testing Facebook ads or different groups that you're, you're explaining it to. And then the second two weeks is like, okay, you figured out what works, the second third of it, now let's amplify that message. And then the next two to, you know, the next two to four weeks or however long you want to run it is like, okay, now I'm trying to get to my goal that I'd set in the planning stage of like, now if I need, you know, 10,000 at the rate that I'm going, I need four weeks of launch. If I need, you know, 20,000, I might need eight weeks um, of this, uh, of running the campaign to collect the, the emails uh, that you're collecting. So I think the important thing that I noticed um, that you're doing in here uh, is, that no matter the length of time uh, you talk about writing a compelling welcome email series that welcomes them and gets them on board. Can you talk about like what's what service you recommend for that and how uh, and you know how frequently are you emailing the list? Because that's another question we get about you know I feel like I'm spamming them like you know I don't want to send them that many emails and um, the answer is probably always more than most people think. So I'm curious what your view is on that. Absolutely. I run into the same thing because um, often the, the women in my audience are brand new to this type of business. So they're, it's very early stage. They don't have any experience. And so this is all foreign to them. Um, and so it, it's, I use Klaviyo as my email service provider. That's what I recommend. Um, and I love that it integrates directly with <laughs> Pickoff Labs. So there's not a whole lot of like copy and pasting. When I was running my pre-launch, I used MailChimp, um, but now I love Klaviyo. So, um, and then, you know, crafting that email series is really important because there's no use in working really hard to build an email list if you're just going to let them kind of go cold. They're not going to remember who you are if you're ready to pull the plug and launch in a month or two months or even three months. So we want to keep them nice and warm and kind of bring them on a journey with us. And I call that nurturing our email list. And I actually recommend that... Um, we that we email our list every five to seven days. You can even do more frequently if you'd like. But I think for people that are brand new and feeling a little bit hesitant to even send an email in the first place, that's usually around that sweet spot where they're com comfortable and confident enough to do that and, and to stick to that consistent um, cadence. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of walk them through all the different things that you can email them about because really it's about bringing them on a journey. It's not about just constantly selling, selling, selling. You want them to be kind of invested in this process with you. And I think that that was one of the things that was successful about All Girl Shave Club is I did bring them on the journey. I got them involved. Um, I asked for their feedback. I sent surveys. I sent them behind the scenes sneak peeks yep. that was going on. And they helped me to pick the packaging. And it was just a really fun experience. They felt like they were part of something bigger than, you know, just razors, right? Yep. Yeah, and I think that's a, a you raised two important things there. One is the concept of making it collaborative with people and not just like speaking to them because there's two approaches to the, this email sequence. And, you know, well, three approaches. The worst approach is just like you said, letting them go cold. Um, the next approach is constantly just pitching, like saying like, here's where we are. Here's what we're doing. Here's what the price is going to be. Get ready to buy on this date. And like, just constantly speaking at them with the marketing message and the benefits, which you want to sprinkle in so people understand the product, but you get a much better response from maybe asking some questions, like maybe an email uh, is just going out like, what are you excited about with this product? Like, you know, which of these two things is more interesting to you? Like, 
do you like this box cover? Like hit reply um, and let us know. And those emails tend to be, at least in, in our experience, we see them get opened more when you're asking a question. And we certainly get replies to the questions that we ask as well, rather than just broadcasting out, uh, out the things. And because as I tell people, you want this audience engaged, presumably, right? You want their feedback because they're going to be customers. And if they're customers, you want to hear from them about what, what about the product resonates or like what is good or bad about the product after you've launched it even. You want them to be willing to give you that feedback. And so starting that practice early uh, is really helpful. Yeah, and you can learn so much too from them. Like I remember learning in all Girl, when I was launching All Girl Shape Club, I thought that my demographic was maybe younger than they actually turned out to be. The people that were opting in and participating in my contest and my pre-launch, they when they when they when they had them do the demographic surveys, they were actually um, between 30 and 45 years old when I thought they were going to be a, a much younger demographic. And so mm -hmm. you learn a lot through um, engaging your community as well. And you can get amazing marketing messaging from using their words as well. Yeah. And even just finding out little things like that is great because then if you're going to run Facebook ads, you can check the age demographic and be like, okay, I was going to run 20 to 35, but maybe I should run 30 to 45, like is my as my demographic. Um, and so that's, uh, that's, that's really good uh, to find out. And that's why it's important to talk to people. So this kind of covered, we kind of jumped into module five on your audience, like nurturing your audience and, and thinking them through. Um, and so you go to module six, uh, validate your idea and next steps. So what does validating your idea mean to mean to you? Or what do you, how do you tell your uh, customers that validating is? I want to make sure that a, like we talked about earlier, the email list is growing and that it hasn't been pulling teeth to try to get people on the email list. That's one um, area that we really want to focus on. If you're, if you're not able to grow that list, then we need to either refine our messaging, maybe refine our product offering, refine our audiences, those types of things. But if the email list is growing and it's growing well, then we want to look at our engagement rates. We want to look at our open rates and our click-through rates in our emails to see, like, are people engaged? Are they ready for this product? Um, we also want to think about, you know, what are we going to do at launch? This is the time when we're going to take all of that feedback that we've captured from them mm -hmm. about how we're going to create this product so that it exceeds, not only meets, but it exceeds their expectations at launch. And I have this whole kind of um, launch decision tree that they can go through that kind of asks them, them questions as they're going through, you know, have you hit your goal? And, you know, this is one of the things that we want to look at. We set our goals in the beginning of the course. And are we there yet? Have we met our goals there? And so it kind of walks them through the decisions of, of is it time to launch or do we need to kind of go back and change things or tweak things just a little bit? Because mm -hmm. really the goal is, right, we don't want to invest a ton of time and money into launching a product that is not going to be what the market wants. And so that's kind of the whole goal for pre-launch for me. So you mentioned uh, kind of in the, after at the end of mod module six, like talking about like a launch week strategy. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about what that means uh, to go from you've nurtured this email list, you've got it, and now you're maybe one to two weeks away from having something people can purchase. How do you tell people to think about their time and, and how they talk to their audience in that one to two weeks leading up and then the one to two weeks after you've, uh, you've had something for them to purchase? Yeah, I think it's really important to, as we said before, just keep them engaged, keep them involved. And when you're sharing messaging around when the launch is coming and, and that kind of thing, make it about them. So it's not just like, oh, we're launching next week. It's, 
oh, next week you're going to be able to get XYZ box that is going to help you do XYZ, right? It's telling them, you know, the solution that they're going to be able to get when the launch happens. And that's really what they care about is how is it going to help them and what, what's in it for them, essentially. So using language that really gets them excited about it and also helps them to kind of count down with you, but in a way that's, you know, about them, not about you. Um, so we always kind of like tell our audience that it's coming. We give them a date of when it's coming and what they can expect. And we actually give them, I teach them to, to give their audience early access. So anybody who's on the email list is going to get early access to the launch um, mm -hmm. versus everybody else who may be following them on social media or in other areas. And so that kind of helps to build up a little bit of uh, anticipation as well. You get 24 hours to shop early. Maybe you give them a special discount um, above and beyond what they've already earned in their rewards. Or maybe you give them free shipping or free shipping for life or something like that to really incentivize them to make that purchase on that day. Hmm. No, that's, uh, that's, that's perfect. Um, so what... Um, what other things or tips and tricks would you give people that we haven't covered uh, as part of this or things maybe that you um, wish you'd done with the, with, other, with the All Girls Shaves Club that now, that now you realize is a good best practice? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, something that I didn't do with All Girls Shaves Club that I wish that I had done um, is collaborated with influencers, collaborated with other maybe influencers or even other brands that, were, that shared a similar audience. I think um, leveraging other people's audiences is a great way to grow your own audience, provided that they are super aligned. Um, and that's something that I wish that I had done and that I teach um, you know, my students how to do now so they can grow their audience even faster. Again, my students are really um, brand new to this space. And so running Facebook ads and, and paying for things like that are just kind of like out of their scope at this time. So we need to get really um, creative in how we grow and build our email list. And so one of, the, one of the ways to do that really is to collaborate. And I always want to say, too, that I think um, building your email list is such a worthy investment. So I would recommend that even after pre-launch, don't let it go cold. Like you've built this asset. Mm -hmm. After you launch, continue to nurture them and continue to provide value to them so that they will come back and buy. Maybe they didn't buy at launch, but they'll come back eventually, um, provided that you're nurturing them the best way possible. So I think those are two things that um, I wish I would have done a little bit differently. I did nurture them, but not as well as I probably should have. Post mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you recommend people, I mean, we talked about like, you talked about like influencers, do you recommend people set up things like retargeting or Facebook pixels or anything like that as part of the launch? So I don't teach um, any paid ad strategy in, mm -hmm. my, in my course, but yes, I do think it's a good idea. And I do teach them how, where to install their pixel, where to install their Google analytics tag, those kinds of things. So that if they decide that they do want to leverage that, they totally can and they're, and they're prepared to do that. And another note I took that I wanted to go back to is you talked about uh, in your launch, like getting a lot of the customers and early signups from different like Facebook groups um, that maybe were in your target audience. So I'm curious how you went about um, searching or finding the groups uh, that you were participating in and how you approach those groups. Because A, A, I find people have difficulty finding the audiences and then B, they don't know how to approach the audiences or what the right approach is without sounding like, 
come sign up today. And like, you're talking to this new group of people that you've never met and they're like, go away. We're talking about golf or whatever the, you know, whatever the audience is, um, that is you're targeting your product to like, how do you recommend people find it and then approach the audience? I totally get it. So there's kind of two tracks here. The first track is really about leveraging your own existing visibility. We all have it, whether we believe that we have influence or not, we do, we have a network of people um, that we can reach. And so that's kind of like the first layer. And for me, it was a, mo a mom's group that I was already in. I was already there talking about raising babies and, and what to feed and like all of the things. And so it was just like integrating what was going on in my life. So, oh, I'm feeding the baby, but I'm going to be working on my new business in a few minutes. And do you want to see what I'm working on? And that kind of mm -hmm. thing. Sharing organically with women that I already knew and, and we had that relationship with. So that's the first thing is to think about where you're already visible to your target audience, because nine times out of 10, you are already visible somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it just takes one place to get started. Now, the second part is to leverage um, existing Facebook groups that maybe you're not as involved in. And really, you can't go in there and be like a spamosaurus. Like, you can't just go in and be like, hey, I have this new product. Like, everybody sign up to my free lunch campaign. It just doesn't yep. work that way. It's really about thoughtful engagement and engaging in ways that um, position yourself as the expert around your product. Um, so it, it's a slow burn, right? It's not going to happen. You're not going to get hundreds of subscribers off of each Facebook group immediately. It's kind of taking time every day to go in and engage on topics that are relevant to what you're offering. And then, you know, people are curious. They're going to be like, who's this girl or who's this guy that's answering yeah. all these questions about shaving? And they're going to pop through. And so I always recommend to my students, you know, have your landing page right in your profile, like have yeah. it accessible for people to be able to to stop you a little bit and, and opt in if they want to. Yeah, absolutely. When we, um, I mean, this is a long time ago now, but when we were launching Kickoff Labs, I remember um, of our first 100,000 in revenue, I think 20,000 came from, I could directly tie back to questions we'd answered on Quora because yeah. we just went into different marketing groups that were talking about like launches and software and like marketing types of things. And we just spent, you know, we answered a question and we probably answered um, 50 or so different questions um, and so it's not that many, really, if you just do a few a week, um, answering the questions over time in that first year, but then it, you, know, you never know which one is going to be the big hit, but then all of a sudden there were four threads that became really popular on Quora and they got voted up and everything. And, and those four threads were like 20,000 revenue for going through in our first hundred thousand revenue. And so like totally worth the time to get engaged. And we started from zero. We weren't in that. I wasn't in that community before, but when we had the launch for kickoff labs, it's like, I should start answering questions and seeing what I started personally, because I want to know what people in that space were asking. So I knew how to better market the product. And then as I was there, I was like, oh, I can answer some of these questions. And I wasn't even thinking at the time that like, we'll get a bunch of follow on revenue from it. And so I didn't even notice until we started running reports and saying, where are these people coming from that are purchasing? And then we look at the referrals and like the link IDs that they were using. And um, thankfully I was using some unique links for Cora. So like I could tell where they, that they were coming from there. But when we tied it back, I was like, wow, that was worth it. <laughs> that is so cool. See, just straight from your mouth. That is amazing. I love that. Yeah, just spending a few minutes every day is something we all can do. We can just carve out a little bit of time and jump in there and jump right out, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, th thanks for your time today. This has been super educational, super helpful. I loved walking through it. Um, 
do you have a pitch for your uh, for your product or your uh, your launch school that you want to give at the end here um, and where you're going next with it? Yeah, well, if anybody is interested in um, pre-launch prep school, I'm happy to have them join us at jessicaprincipe.com slash pre-launch. And I would love to offer your listeners $50 off with code kickoff labs. So easy peasy. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, I just want to be available to help support people who are looking to launch a subscription or physical e-commerce product without the stress and the drama of, you know, I launched, I spent all of this time building my business and building my product and I launched and it's just crooked. Like we don't want that for anybody. I, that breaks my heart every time I see yeah. it. So that's really why, um, pretty much what school was born and I'm happy to help if, if I can. Absolutely. You know, uh, Jessica's advice is spot on. She hits on all the right notes, uh, the highlights of the course. And I can just tell from, you know, having seen her students and then other people doing launches, these are all the things that are required for having a successful pre-launch. And I think the advice is you're focused on subscription boxes here, but I think the advice is actually worth it if somebody's thinking about a Kickstarter or, you know, some other like launch of a business, like this is very universal advice. You may be focused on the subscription box side of things and, but any launch shares all of these characteristics that people are doing. So it's worth checking out um, and heading to Jessica's site and giving it a, giving it a look. Um, Oh, and then check out kickoff labs. So come to kickoff labs. Once you've got your brand assets, come to kickoff labs and set up your pre-launch page. Um, thanks for listening today. Uh, this has been, uh, this has been a joy and uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you again in the future. Thanks so much for having me. My name is Jessica Principe and I'm the founder of All Girl Shave Club. I'm also a subscription box mentor and strategist where I help aspiring subscription box owners launch their own subscription box business through my signature program, Prelaunch Prep School. In my course, I teach about a prelaunch strategy using the Kickoff Labs platform. I chose Kickoff Labs for my students for two reasons. The first being the built-in social share feature. I think it's key for being able to easily leverage the audience you're building by making it simple and exciting for new leads to also share the campaign with friends and family. But the second reason I chose Kickoff Labs is because of their outstanding customer support. I show my students how to set up their landing pages on a basic level inside my course, but I know that if they want to use some of the more advanced features or if they get stuck at any point, that the fabulous team at Kickoff Labs will be there to support them in creating a landing page and campaign that they can be proud of and one that will get them results. The customer experience that the team at Kickoff Lab provides is unparalleled and I highly recommend the software for anyone looking to run a pre-launch or grow their audience.